Happy Sunday. For those that are here live, God bless you. Sunday morning, getting ready to roll quick. So much to talk about. So much to talk about. For those that are coming here any day of the week, thanks so much. Appreciate it. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood here in the East Coast. Incredible amount of just wonderful to be sitting in November and it'd be like 60 something degrees. So if you're experiencing this um, for my Floridian and, and, and Californian friends, you're like, what's the big deal? But for all us Northeasters, Northeasterners, we appreciate it. We ended up last week sort of trying to finalize. Not fine, nothing's final, right? We're just going to circle back later. But we're talking about this concept of discipline, how it relates to um, enthusiasm. And if you can picture it, it's almost as if like there's two levers in front of us, the right and the left. And in fact, Kabbalistically, this is really how it works. The right is synonymous with giving chesed, the, the enthusiasm trait, the trait of zeal. And the left is synonymous with the restrictive trait, the idea of contraction, the discipline. It's why if anyone ever notices why in Jewish practice, we're always doing the things that are right over left. It's that's why, because we tap into deeper things through our actions. And so washing over the right or tying with the right, or a lot of things that we do really begins with right. And that's why, because we're always trying to begin with infusing enthusiasm, infusing um, spiritual bounty, which is the process. You give before you restrict. But both of them have to come together to something. There's got to be a middle. And if you could almost picture it the way I, I mean, the way I'm, what I picture it is the traits of, of giving and restricting really is how you drive the car in life. That's what life is, right? There's park, then there's reverse and drive, right? There's the giving and then there's the restricting. That's how a car runs. That's how life runs. And once you learn how to drive, once you learn when to go and when to go backwards, right? Or when to go and when to stop, Maybe that's a better way of seeing it. Forget reverse for now. Because reverse is really just driving, but in, in a different direction. But if it's going and stopping, let's say, right? Gas, brake. Let's use that as the, as the example instead of drive, reverse, right? Gas and brake, gas and brake, gas and brake, right? Once you get behind the wheel and learn and are comfortable around the gas and the brake, what happens next is you have to learn to figure out where to go. And where to go is critical because the power of zeal and the power of restrictiveness, the power of discipline can only take us so far. If we don't have a place to go to, it could take us to the wrong places. You can use all your enthusiasm for the wrong thing. You can restrict yourself and discipline yourself in order to do things that are wrong. Right? There are people that are using discipline to be better at cheating people, right? There are people doing this probably as we speak. 
They're disciplined in their financial analysis so they can cook the books to pretend their company is worth more than it is. Right? People that are out there hurting people are disciplined. That's why they're successful at it. It doesn't make it good. There's a lot of people that are using zeal to step on someone's neck on the way to getting more stuff. It doesn't make it a good thing to do, but that doesn't take away from the need for zeal. So what we're left with now, or we're not even left with anything because we've got like miles to go, but what we're up to maybe is this middle. Okay. Maybe I'm starting to use the levers. Maybe I'm at least starting to see the levers. But how do I set the direction? How do I really set the direction, right? Because what we what we have now is an ability to see into the future, right? To set a direction. But how do we know if we're setting the right direction? And how to drive so I can go somewhere. I got that. But how do I know if I'm going to the right place? That's a whole nother conversation. So let's go back to a little more Kabbalistic concepts. And then we'll bring it out into these traits, which is in between the right and the left is the middle, is the center. The center actually lines up to vision. If anyone's ever put on or saw someone that wore tefillin, tefillin are phylacteries. They're religious, they're black boxes that men wear when they pray. If you notice, those boxes go right here. They go at the center. And actually, when you put them on, you line them up right in the center. They're supposed to literally be like in between the center. And in the Torah, they tell you to put them on between your eyes. Because the center is really connected to your eyesight. It could say put it on above your nose. That would be the center. It could just say put it on in the center of your head. But it says between your eyes because what it's doing, in my opinion, is it is aligning the center with vision. Where we're going is in our ability to to create that center. So what is the center? So the trait that is being discussed that Kabbalah uses is a trait called honor. In Hebrew, it's called tiferet, honor. Honor is at the center between zeal and discipline. Now, what is that? That's what we're going to talk about. Honor. What is honor? Dignity, respect. What are those things? And how do they work? And how do we... How do we somehow connect where I'm going with honor? So let's begin. It's a big subject. I saw a quote once. I don't remember where it is, but I'm sure Andy will find it. Which is, you can tell a lot about yourself, not by what you do, but by what you honor, by what you respect. I remember I had this once. We were at a convention Back in the old days, you know, last year, we used to have conventions. 
people used to get together. Can you imagine? People used to get together like, like human beings would be together like in a hotel. Hundreds of them. Can you even imagine that today? It's amazing how quickly this God can turn this world. So we used to have these conventions and there'd be hundreds of people that would go away for a weekend and they would bring in all these speakers and it would be amazing. Some of you may, or many of you may have actually been at one or seen one. So these conventions, many of them brought in, you know, celebrities and stars and great speakers. So I was at one particular high-end convention once. And I met a family who had recently become more observant. An older family, not older, they were middle-aged. I would say they were maybe, I don't know, 50s, like middle-aged, young family. And we sat together, we became friendly, it was great. And watching this husband and wife their enthusiasm they they had very little background they knew very little about the practices and the traditions and the knowledge of judaism but their desire to they weren't hearing the words they were drinking it it was so beautiful to watch i was so inspired just by their presence and i kept on telling it to them and they didn't even believe it but it was true I'm inspired by people that are clamoring for growth, no matter where you are in life, because that's it. This is a big misconception people have. People think like there's like a place to get to in life. There really isn't. The only place to get to in life is the moment of growth. Once you start to grow and you thirst for more growth, that's the high, that's the rung. But people live in a world where like, they look over to the left and the right and they're like, you know, who's doing more, who has less. You start to, we start to judge ourselves by how we're doing compared to others, but that's not how God sees the world. I don't believe that. If you're, if you have a desire to grow, you're at the top anyways. So this family had a teenage son who could care less, who can care less, totally absent. The weekend had tons of great speakers and scholars son was like a wall son was now this guy who i was became friendly with i watched him throughout the whole weekend and whenever like a big whether it was a rabbi or a speaker or a scholar got up to speak he wasn't just like listening his eyes lit up his eyes lit up he was like enamored couldn't believe it like he was seeing somebody that possessed such clarity and wisdom and the whole weekend he was like trying to get his kid to just like listen to anybody like he's like just listen the kid's like nah sunday morning we're having breakfast together and the way these things work is like it's like a, usually like sunday morning it's like a smorgasbord it's everyone's online eggs it's great we better juice and breakfast. We love breakfast. I once saw a funny comedian making fun of Jewish food. And he's like, after breakfast, the Jews got nothing. There's a little truth to that. I mean, we, have, we rock Shabbat, but like, I don't know. I think our people like own breakfast. Anyways. So it's breakfast. We're waiting online. And for Sunday morning, 
the um, the conference coordinators hired an athlete to come talk. It wasn't particular. It wasn't like Michael Jordan. They didn't bring in like you know Tom Brady, but like it was an athlete, like a, a well known, somewhat famous. I would say like B plus athlete. And he spoke about like overcoming challenges. It was great. He had a very difficult life growing up. He grew up in a very, you know, impoverished family and, and he pushed through it and he had learning disabilities and he had others, but whatever it was, he has a good story. And they brought him to sort of like talk. So sitting at breakfast and this guy's telling me like, oh my gosh, that was insane. And all the people and I learned so much and his kids like, you know, rolling his eyes. And as his kids rolling his eyes, this athlete walks past the room the kid goes is that and he's like yeah yeah and the kid was like oh i'm like yeah he's speaking at nine o'clock he's like what and immediately you saw the shift dad who was very much into sports a regular dude sort of was like and his son was like bugging at that moment you don't have to test anybody on what they know. That moment you told you, that moment taught me so much more about those two people than anything they could have possibly said or done. It wasn't what they did. It was what they honored. Maybe they woke up in the morning and both father and son did very, did very little. They did very little to um, to to advance in anything. Maybe they both didn't go and pray or study. I don't know. But the honoring of wisdom was a clue, was an indication, was the, was the truth to what that dad felt was the most important aspect of his life. And it manifested, not necessarily in his actions, because you couldn't tell. I didn't know what he knew or didn't know where he went to, what he didn't went to. I didn't know anything about his zeal or his discipline. Maybe he couldn't apply any of the wisdom he learned. Maybe in, in the action, in the area of doing, there was very little doing in applying that wisdom. And that's its own world. But where was his vision? Where was his destination in life? It became clear when we are when he was faced between two celebrities in two totally different spheres a celebrity of wisdom and a celebrity of athleticism. And his son, appropriately so, by the way, had an entirely different perspective. The wisdom didn't really speak to him. It was really the athleticism that did. It was the, the pop culture celebrity. That was really where he was at. If you want to understand where me and you are at, if we really want to like get truth, if we really want to delve into ourselves, 
we have to look past what we do because what we do really is in many ways a product of what we know. Remember, we spoke about this for so long, right? Our actions are tied into our neuroplasticity. Our neuroplasticity is tied into our exposure. A lot of what we're doing every day really is because I need to, because I think I have to, I'm getting through my day, I'm used to, right? I'm used to eating this way. This is what's in front of me. I'm used to acting this way. This is the job I already have. These are the children I already have. Like I can be trying to change all day. I can be writing full journals every single day. I'm still married to that guy and have these kids and I have this job. Like I'm still in my world. A lot of what I do every day, even if I'm changing, is really a product of what I know to do and what I'm in the middle of doing. And I have to change that because doing is at the end of this game, doing is at the end of this road. <clears throat> but if I judge myself by what I do, I don't know if I am doing it because I've been doing it. And that was, that's, what feels, that's what feels comfortable to me, or that's what my survival limbic system is pushing me towards. Or I'm doing it because that's what I value most in my life. And what happens to many of us is that as we start to introspect, we start to build up, if you will, the gas in the tank. And we don't spend enough time thinking, okay, as the gas builds up and I'm dealing with what's right in front of me, am I going in the right direction? I got the gas part. I know how to drive and stop, drive and stop, drive and stop. I get that. And my capacity to do that, it grows with my, with my work. If I'm spending the time doing this work every single day and I'm exercising these muscles and I'm understanding how to run this car well, what's happening is when you learn how to run the car well, you learn how to drive better. Someone can hand you a, a brand new Porsche. If you still don't know how to drive it well, you go, you're going to drive the same amount than the, than the guy next to you with, you know, a, a much smaller car. I don't want to see which car case someone has it, but like, you know, at the end of the day, you can, be, oh, I'll make fun of my own cars. Like you can take my wife's minivan. You can be driving a Honda Odyssey, which goes zero to 60 in three weeks and put right next to it, like a brand new Porsche. If both drivers don't know how to drive, they're both driving 45 miles an hour. And all of us, our, our lives are, are Porsches. No offense to the minivanners, of which I find myself behind way too often. But as we learn how to drive, which is what we've been doing, zeal, discipline, zeal, only that you can then take that and drive around the block a hundred times. Do, 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 do. And you take for granted that what you want is what you want, but don't do that because what you want may not be what you want. It may be what you already have. To really get it, you have to take a stop, a step and lift our eyes and say, okay, I'm my eyes go here. How do I take my eyes from here to here? And it begins by asking myself, what is it that I honor most? Not what am I doing most? What do I honor most? Because I could be doing everything right. If I'm honoring, if I'm respecting, if I'm in awe of that guy who's a celebrity sleeping around and doing drugs, and am I really that person that I want to be? Am I really, are my eyes set to the right place? I could be saying that I want wisdom and want to have a better life, but what I really honor, what I really, really love, what I really respect is the biggest house on the block. Of course I want wisdom, but the rabbi, ah, 
guy in the back with all the money. It's okay. Let's be, let's begin to understand what we want. Because once you get what we want, we can begin to elevate it. And then we get all the physical stuff. All right, this is what we're going to be talking about. Understanding honor. What it means for us, how it's actually the, it's the litmus test of who we are. You know why this is so critical is because we don't even know it. So it's like a whole new area. It's like zeal. I had a breakfast with an incredible guy on Friday and he said, he listened to the boost. And I said, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And he goes, I'm into zeal. And the minute he said that, I'm like, you do listen to the boost. And I told you we would do that. Right. I told you, whoever's listening, I told you, as soon as we start talking zeal, that becomes our code word. When someone says to me, zeal, I'm like, they're in They're They're one of mine. They're part of the boost family. Honor is going to be our new word. Because once we get on and we get ourselves. Okay, we're going to talk about it. Okay, everybody. Have an awesome Navy Zeal sex. That's right. Have an awesome day. Thank you for being part of this. Let's, let's make it a great week. Thank you, Michael. And looking forward to really delving in this together. Have a great day. And with God's help, can't wait to see you again uh, tomorrow.